0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the week 14 DFS MVP podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 44.com, as always, with my co host, Mr. John Dale Mr. Packeray. Welcome to week 14, boys.
1: Quite a week. Quite a week yeah. 14. Are we sure there aren't eight teams on by this week? It seems like. <laughs> yeah. It seems yeah. like everyone must be on by, right? There's no scoring.
2: There are a lot of different plays to get to CEH now opening up the slate. So he'll be Zach Moss like chalk, but he's even cheaper this week. So we will touch on everything as we go along.
0: Yeah, we got, um, a few games with some decent scoring, but uh, we got a little bit of a weather concern uh, in a few spots. A lot of um, it. And, and outside of, of, like you said, CEH and, and maybe McKinnon, not a lot of obvious paydown options. So I'm um, interested to see like how the build shake out, how ownership shakes out. Uh, it's 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 a pretty weird slate, uh, so we'll talk through it. Um, and we'll start with, uh, as always, Corrine uh, Writes the walkthrough at Legendary Upside every week, and this week cover boy was Rasheed Rice, so uh, we can hop right into it because that is the big game of the week, at least from a scoring expectation, Chiefs versus the Bills. Chiefs favored by one and a half with a 25 point total in a game with a 48 and a half point point total uh so before we get to the running back situation crane um let's talk a little bit about the passing game obviously we would love to get to mahomes and kelsey but that's always tough with salary uh talk to us a little bit about rasheed rice and i mean is he fool's gold can we start to trust this dude or what
1: i i would say he definitely could be fool's gold mm-hmm. right there's nothing about the situation that's making me feel like he's like a lock for this week to be the week. But what jumped out to me when I was writing the walkthrough was that Rashid Rice, you know, he's seen more targets recently, but he's getting a lot of his targets this year on non first reads. Mm-hmm. And so I, I named the, the walkthrough or rice target earner. Cause the guy's like actually earning his targets. Mahomes has had a really low first read attempt rate. Think that's partly because teams are know that he's going to Kelsey They're to try and take Kelsey away. Other guys are, are not are struggling to get open. There's no real full-time wide receivers on the team. So it's it's a weird situation, but you do have this rookie wide receiver who's just out there getting targets, even when the play's not designed to go to him. It creates, I think, a couple different paths to upside. One is that he just runs more routes this week and he's been kind of stuck in the mid 60s, but you know, they've got this this. Important game against the Bills, and you know, we could be looking at a shootout, so maybe they maybe they play him a little bit more, or maybe they just call plays with him a little bit more in mind. And in that case, I think he has a lot of target upside because we know he can earn targets on his own. So he's someone I'm very interested in. Uh, even if he's you know somewhat chalky, I think this Pacheco news probably helps him because people are going to be going to the backfield a little bit more, and we can maybe yeah. pivot. And I like the idea of trying to trying to find a way to get Mahomes and Kelsey if I can with Rex. I think that's if we can go to the Chiefs passing game as a contrarian pivot off of Chiefs running back chalk, that sounds pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. Um are are we sure we get Chief running back chalk? Because McKinnon has been practicing in full. Um so okay. I'm I'm wondering if mckinnon and uh ch kind of kill each other not kill each other's but uh cannibalize each other's ownership a little bit both sub 5k on dk um on Fanduel, i believe they are sub 6k as well um so i mean do do we think that this is like a backfield split i mean is it is it mckinnon on dk because of the pass catcher how do we play this
1: mckinnon interests me more um Mm -hmm. when i wrote about the the Chiefs in the walkthrough, I, you know, the, the thing about them struggling to, to get kind of their, their offense just executing the plays designed. Um, Chris G. actually messaged me and was like, what about McKinnon, if that's the case? I was like, I, I like that. I like that idea of, like, you know, he's he's not able to, to get the ball downfield the way he wants to on a lot of these reads, you know, maybe because Kelsey's being double teamed or whatever, and he checks down to McKinnon. So I think McKinnon's pretty interesting just from, like, a real football perspective.
0: Diggle, do you have a a read on, on McKinnon versus CH?
2: Yeah. McKinnon to this point has been injured all season, averaged three Mm -hmm. touches per game. Uh, Even when last year Pacheco wasn't in a a full-time role before the playoffs, McKinnon was only getting there on receiving touchdowns that were obviously going to regress because he was averaging a a touchdown for every three and a half catches. Like it wasn't ever going to sustain. So I don't i don't know if I want to get there I may avoid it all altogether again I'm gonna see when i once I start tinkering around with a cheap running back below 5k on both sides like what we can do with either player
0: yeah i I think like Corrine said um Doubling Mahomes makes a lot of sense, um, especially while people are trying to figure out the Chiefs backfield and Daigle, I'm wondering while everybody's trying to figure out the Chiefs backfield if maybe they'll be looking at the wrong spot and maybe should be looking at the backfield um, on the other side with the Bills. We know that running back usage has been up since Joe Brady's taken over as the play caller and we've seen some vulnerability in Kansas City's defense over the last month after they looked like one of the best defenses in the league. So is somebody like James Cook a sneaky play for you, or is this a spot where we're getting super low-owned uh uh Josh Allen and stefan Diggs? And we just lean into that instead. And I don't know how
2: I'm going to play this game just yet from the Chiefs mm-hmm. side. Honestly, I think Travis Kelsey is the only one that interests me, given yeah. his historical tear against the Chiefs the past three games. But for the Bills side, I I can confidently say their offense is going to get there because whenever Ken Dorsey was fired, that was due to unlucky turnovers, not the offense humming along. They're still top five and points and yards per drive on the season. And now we've seen the Chiefs defense that was winning them games is falling apart. These dudes are just so injured. Drew Tranquil, Nick Bolton, lost Brian Cook in in the secondary this past weekend. Uh, Legarius Sneed, the list goes on and that's why now in three games out of their bye they're not even really a serious defense. They're 18th in explosive run rate allowed, they're 22nd in explosive passes through the air, they're 23rd in getting pressure. So I kind of see it as a situation where I know we don't ever want to count Mahomes out as a as a short dog, but man, it seems like the Bills just lay the wood in this spot. So I'm much more interested in Josh Allen doubles, and those doubles yep. include, to your point, James Cook, one of my favorite yep. plays in the entire slate. Because the last two games for the Bills before they're by, under Joe Brady, the one major change was getting the running backs involved. 19 targets overall, which was the fourth highest rate in the league in that span. So not only can you play James Cook just for equity in this game, you can play James Cook as one of the best plays with Josh Allen too.
0: Yeah. And again, this is, uh, I didn't mention, but this is a 425 latest kickoff on the slate. I believe we have four on the late slate. Uh, so obviously some late swap uh, options there. If you decide to wait to switch that up a little bit um, with Pacheco being out, we don't really have clear cash options in this game uh if you want to play one of the quarterbacks on fandle that's fine on on dk it's almost impossible to get to those guys um in cash uh another note dawson Knox likely to return so take some of the floor away from um uh, away from the tight end duo there although I, I do think you could still probably play kincaid in gpp's uh, moving on to Bengals versus Colts, we actually have a couple chalk plays in this game. Bengals favored by two, uh, with a 23 point total in the game, with a 44 point total. We saw uh, Jake Browning play better than expected last week, and that resulted in Jamar Chase having quite a good game. Although, uh, you know, was kind of on, on quite a bit of a, a couple lucky plays there, and we've seen Browning have a very low 5.8 yard average throw depth since playing so daigle i mean browning because he does save so much salary because we saw him play decent last week probably going to be somewhat shocky, especially on DraftKings. if if we do go that way is it a spot where if you're playing browning you have to play chase um or are there some uh other options with this passing offense Tyler Boyd is a true question mark, but
2: mm-hmm. I can't imagine getting to T Higgins. And if I miss out right. on that, that's totally fine by me. Okay. I only want to play Jamar Chase if I get there, but I'm also worried about the spot. Uh, yeah. Jake Browning's salary did not get increased because they played on Monday night. The, mm-hmm. the slate releases on Sunday, so that makes sense why he's so cheap. But also, it's Jake Browning on a short week and who's being steamed for recency biased. and. Right a much easier matchup against a very bad Jaguars secondary that also doesn't get pressure. It is sustainable. Like you said, five-point yard depth of target. All he's doing is dumping the ball off and getting lucky with a couple plays. But this is the same Jake Browning and Bengals offense that lost to the Steelers two weeks ago, a Steelers team who has now lost to two in 10 teams in back-to-back weeks. Like, I don't want to get excited about the Bengals at all just because of what everyone saw in primetime in an island game. So yeah, I like Jamar Chase. We're seeing now the last two games he's at least sustaining with a 27.7% target share, the wide receiver 13 in points per game from Browning. But I don't want to chase, honestly, anyone else around that, uh, Joe Mixon included. Like, to me, the fact that Joe Mixon is is going to become a cash games consideration, uh, it's not crazy, I guess, to consider him. But when you step back and say this dude handled, like, that was Chase Brown's, highest touch share all year long. And Joe Mm -hmm. Mixon just happened to get there on two rushing touchdowns. He's still not a player you're scared of because you don't think he can repeat that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen so much empty volume out of Mixon throughout the year. And then, like you said, when he finally does get there, um, it's with with Brown coming in and, and taking away some work. So it's like everything that, that made mixing what we thought would be, you know, a good volume play for cash early in the year. Um, now he's not even giving you that in a spot where, you know, we might even see just diminished offense all around because, because of Browning. I mean, it's, you know, it still was, you know, very small sample. So <clears throat> I agree with you that this isn't a spot that I want to be chasing chalk. Um, especially on Browning or Mixon, uh, you know, getting if you're playing chase by himself at 15 ish percent. I don't think that's horrible, um, but I don't want to be like leaning into this offense um, on the other side. Corrine, we're going to get Right back to Zach Mox Mega Chalk, uh, just because he is quite affordable. Maybe it gets diminished a little bit now with the Chiefs running backs, but I think he probably still is the best value on the slate, so should probably still be in that 35 to 40 percent range. The only difference is he's not dirt cheap like he was last week, he's uh, he, he's still affordable, but it isn't like in that must play 4500 range. So, is this a spot maybe where we think about going to the passing game if we're gonna have uh browning being chalky on the other side and zach moss being chalky for the colts uh is Minshew and company interest you at all
1: i think the issue is that Pittman is probably going to draw some ownership so mm-hmm. if if that's the case then and Pittman's expensive he's 7300 um i don't love going you know i'm not gonna play Minshew without Pittman. i don't think uh so it's like it's the I feel like everyone else is kind of thinking about that too. And so it, it's not that appealing to me. Moss is going to be a tough for me to to figure out because yeah. I would like to avoid him this week if possible, just because I think the price increase is significant. I mean, last mm-hmm. week I said if he was $1,500 more expensive, like it'd still be a good play. Right. Um, but if he was $1,500 more expensive, right, he wouldn't have been, in the winning Millie maker lineup because he didn't do anything, but he exactly. was still, cause he was that cheap. Like he just opened up so many options. That's not really the case this week. Now I would say he's like, if he was $500 more expensive, he'd still be a great play, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be playing at $1,500 more expensive. So, you know, I, I'm a little bit, it's not that he's not a good play. He's a very good play, but I think it's just a lot more easy to think about ways to not include him and ways to pivot off this massive chalk piece. So, I still have to experiment with it, but I'm definitely thinking about avoiding him a lot more than I was last week.
0: Yeah, last week, the discussion was basically, how do we get unique around Moss, right? And and I think this week, it, we don't have to be so zeroed in on that. There's ways to still kind of get to our ceiling plays, um, you know, without Moss. And last week, the another reason that Moss was such a uh, smash play is because like, we needed to get to CMC or Tyreek, or at least we, we thought we did. That was that was um, you know, that that was the conversation. Uh the winning Millie lineup actually had some, some medium salary plays around there, yeah. but we saw Tyreek still have a big game, CMC still played well like this week after cmc like there aren't super high salary guys that we feel like we have to get to so that's also kind of the difference too i think like a lot of more balanced lineups just make sense in general this week um we're not going so much stud severe studs and duds so uh yeah i i don't know that um this is necessarily a, a chalk game that we need to be leaning into on other either side and we might get a little bit of weather in this game it doesn't look super extreme right now um, but there's definitely the possibility for weather here um, and
2: oh, i ahead. would i would just say i probably will have at least one colt in my lineup i'm just not sure who it is just yet because it is a friendly situation where it's not a weather uh we're not too worried about the weather yet mm-hmm. and the Bengals defense is just so horrendous that someone's going to get there Probably so <laughs> probably Pittman or Moss for me, but we'll yeah. see what everyone does in terms of values because like Alec Pierce has – he's been out there all season long. He was going to earn Rich Rebar's cardio award because he's never been able to <laughs> earn targets. But yeah. now the last two games, he has popped up with six targets in each of them. So maybe I can get to Alec Pierce.
0: Yeah, I like that call. I like Pierce, thirty seven hundred on DK again. Not a lot of obvious punt spots, so um, that could open some things up as a pivot off the chalkiest player on the slate for sure. Um, another game with a decent total, forty four points is relatively high on this slate. Chargers favored by two and a half against the Broncos. Chargers with a twenty three point two five team total. Crane, start with you with the Chargers. We've seen Denver continue to um, struggle against the run. But that kind of goes against what uh, we want to be playing on the L.A. side because there's talk of Eckler getting his backfield um, share taken away a little bit. So is this a spot where we want to be playing into the matchup or is this more of a Keenan Allen could be dominating touches? And even if he is a little bit chalky, um, maybe we look at the passing game of the Chargers
1: this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Broncos are starting to look definitely very solid against the pass. I call them still kind of mediocre against mm-hmm. the pass as a passing defense, but then you also have them paired with this offense that has taken an identity where they're going to be super run heavy kind of ball control. And so like the end result for our purposes is unlikely, I think to have like a ton of passing volume against the Broncos, because they're trying to kind of play conservative on offense as well. And you know the passing defense has improved a lot from you know when they were losing to the jets and stuff so the issue is yeah what do you do now on the broncos you run against the broncos they run on you everyone runs but i don't love that they're openly talking about you know maybe scaling back eckler's usage as a runner and he hasn't been a good runner this year the issue is right joshua kelly's not been a good runner either it doesn't make any sense for them to to move away from eckler honestly i think like the kind of like the ballsy move is just to play Eckler because no one's going to play him uh, after they're talking about reducing his role. And they really should not be reducing his role. And he's like still, I think very clearly the second best option in the passing game. Uh, And Keenan's going to be chalk. So maybe you get some, some leverage off of Keenan there, but this game isn't, isn't really that appealing to me overall. I would say
2: the owner, the ownership is wild. Cause I agree with it, our projected ownership. But when I saw these guys checking in at high numbers, I was like, has no one seen the chargers and Broncos play all year long? Like this is not, these are not offenses. We want to take down tournaments with.
0: Right. And, and the, the concern for me on, on, like, the Eckler play, like, sure, the, the narrative is as negative as it's going to get around him. The matchup is decent. We're not getting any kind of salary relief from him. He's the third most expensive right. running back on the slate, so that's a little bit of a problem for me.
1: As I doubt I get mind. there. I think yeah, it's like a large field thing. It's interesting. He's,
0: yeah. he's below
2: 8K, so uh, it is a discount. He hasn't been mm-hmm. below 8K all year, but also, is that enough of a discount? I think I can get there, honestly, because... The way the slate works without a Tyreek Hill or AJ Brown or C.D. Lamb or anyone is Christian McCaffrey's up there because even the 49ers right. guys are all priced the same. Like Brandon Ayuk and Debo and I and their Kittle, their salaries don't budge at all. We want some of that touchdown equity. But if you don't get to McCaffrey and then you instead get to the 49ers pass catchers, you're like, okay, I have this salary for this expensive running back. And I think Eckler, I don't want to say my favorite. Uh, since Camara is still there, we'll see how injuries shake out for that team because it could just be ugly. But I do like Eckler quite a bit actually in the slate because it is a good spot. Last week, the Texans have been a miserable rushing offense all year long and they didn't get there but before that coming out of the broncos by the james cook and latavius murray combined for eight yards per carry ty chandler and alexander madison averaged six yards per carry jerome ford averaged 7.2 yards per carry like they've been leaking still big plays it's something they haven't been able to fix as pat alluded to so i think i do like austin eckler a lot more than the field
0: yeah. And um, Eckler, if we're going to talk about him as a leverage play, not just off of Keenan Allen on the other side, we should probably see decent ownership on Javante Williams and maybe moderate yeah. ownership on the Broncos passing game, which I think is probably not great. Um, Javante, we've seen quite a bit of lack of explosiveness. So even though he has, um, you know, a pretty decent touch share, two two thirds of the backfield touches over the last couple of weeks, I mean, Dago, are we still like, do we consider a pretty bad chalk play because of that lack of explosiveness?
2: It depends how you think this game goes, because Mm -hmm. he probably is a bad chalk play due to the lack of ceiling, but I definitely can foresee 18 plus touches in this game because it's how the Broncos want to play. And instead just be a game where the two offenses slog it out. Yeah. But again, I think the the better play is the leverage to Eckler. And I don't even mind hyping him up because no one's going to play him. No one wants to play yeah. Eckler. I get it.
1: Yeah. No, one, I mean, the narrative is pretty powerful this week. I yeah. don't think anyone's going to want to play him.
0: Do you, uh, do you have either of you like, if we're talking about the sub six K quarterbacks on DraftKings? Kings, uh, would you rather play Russell Wilson or Jake Browning? Who are both probably going to be in that like moderate second tier ownership behind Purdy or neither.
2: I don't think I'm gonna get to. I think I I'd rather think just pivot. Either of those. I'd rather just pivot Cortland Sutton uh, instead yeah. of Javante because it's the same thing. You can do whatever the hell you want against the Chargers. So Sutton, I think, would be the better option here since last week was Jerry Judy Super Bowl and we still couldn't get him there. Like 59 receiving yards is the best he'll ever do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I usually don't like playing ch- chalky players in like a game environment that I, I, I don't think is going to be great. I think. Keenan Allen as a one-off chalk player maybe isn't horrible because like he can just see like 16 targets in this game and that's mm-hmm. like just the whole For offense sure. right yeah so i i think he's like a, a weird good a chalk play and not the best game environment ever cuz like he just might be the whole offense this week
1: i mean he's um, kind of the whole offense yeah anyway
0: anyway <laughs> yeah there 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 isn't um like i said javante is probably going to be a high owned i don't know if he makes my cash pull this week um you can make the case for Keenan Allen as a cash play every single week. He, he is expensive, but um, if he fits, uh, definitely not going to fight you on that. Javante's,
1: he is someone I would keep an eye on as, you know, we're, we're in this leveling period of DFS where the ownership yeah. shifts around from Friday to Sunday. And mm-hmm. if the chief stuff opens things up, I mean, he is someone I could see maybe like who really, really wants to play Javante, right? He hasn't right. had a, a rushing touchdown all season. So um which is Ben Gretch pointed that out early in the week, which was kind of nuts to me, but uh, he's had two receiving ones, no zero rushing touchdowns, but he's, I think Daigle's pointing out, you know, you can do whatever you want against the Chargers, but we know what they want. They want to run the ball. They want to hide Russell Wilson. So if it's looking like people are moving away from Javante, he would be a bit interesting to me just as like, you know, a contrarian pivot if the field will give that to us. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm. This is probably going to be much bigger of an off-season discussion. But one thing that uh, I think has been pretty apparent to anyone that's been playing GPPs this year, especially large field, is just the fragility in ownership projections. Um, and seeing some guys just get really out of control on both sides, both steamed and and squeezed. Um, I, my, my instinct is that probably has to do a bit with some the sims. Um, you know, I, I don't mm-hmm. have any data to support that, but I'm, I'm really curious to see what is going on because um we we, we've seen some some pretty wild ownership um this year uh so take that into account with so my point is with guys like javante if you do like him i i do think you can be a little bit of aggressive more aggressive than you might have been in the past on liking him because there's Mm -hmm. a chance we get him at like nine and a half percent even if he's projecting like 17 to 20 across the industry that you know that's kind of my point there
2: and since the top of the show, by the way, Andy Reid has come out and said that Clad edwards Lair would be the, quote, number one guy with Pacheco ruled out this week.
0: Yeah, he's he's starting. That means he gets the first snap.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll have to tinker around.
0: <laughs> um. So the rest of the games on the slate that project well are projecting on one side uh, relatively big spreads um, after those other games. As I mentioned, uh, we got that one game with 40, 48 and a half point total um, with the bills and then it drops down to 44 for the other two that we mentioned uh, game with a decent total. 49ers versus Seahawks, 46 and a half point total, but Niners favored by 11, making them the team with the highest total on the slate, while the Seahawks have a total under 18 points. Uh, this is a 405 kickoff game, so not the latest, latest kickoff, but in that late window. Uh, Daigle, on the Niners, kind of what we've seen every single week, very high point projection, CMC projecting quite chalky, but all of the pass catchers uh, kind of cannibalizing each other's ownership. The difference this week is i think where we've seen all of the pass catchers kind of be in that five to ten percent range i think this week with them being such big favorites and more affordable than the chiefs and the bills they end up more in that 10 to 15 percent range so is this a spot where we can consider onslaughting the 49ers or is there a pass catcher that stands out to you in this matchup
2: I don't hate whatever you want to do with the 49ers team total because they have drowned the Seahawks in these matchups with Brock Purdy. They're, they've gone 4-0 and beat them by double-digit points in three or four games. The other one was eight-point lead. Mm-hmm. And for the Niners, it's interesting because we have seen – it's a short sample, but now we have seen IUK has been the one who has failed to get there the last two weeks because George Kittle has popped up. And historically, Kittle's the one who's disappeared from Purdy. Mm-hmm. But now he has a 19% target share, Tyuk 17% with Debo Samuel leading the team at 22% the last three games or last two games. So honestly, however you want to get there, completely fine by me. I think Kittle is very live. I think Ayuk and Debo is very live. Uh, I, I would be curious to see where their ownership comes in. Purdy included on DraftKings because FanDuel did the right thing and bumped him up but DraftKings mm-hmm. kind of left him hanging in that mid 6k yep. range. So I'm guessing he's going to probably be a top cash game option on DraftKings, at least on Fandle, he'll probably be a better tournament play and we can get access on Fandle through the passing game there.
0: Yeah. Uh I, I'm really interested to see, to see how that comes into, because if, um if they are all kind of cannibalizing each other's ownership and we do see Kittle, Debo and Ayuk all come in at like 10 to 15%. I, I, My my first instinct would say that Debo is probably the one that gets steam because he had the big plays last week. Because it looks like he's popping in lineup generators. Um, Whereas you know if if he ends up fifteen percent, Ayuk nine percent, and Ayuk's the one that's still getting the over the top targets. I I think I'm probably the most interested in Ayuk, but I I think we can I think we could like. Double Purdy with CMC if you could make that work, especially on DK or like like I mean like I guess triple and like double two pass catchers plus
1: CMC if you want. In the uh, underdog stuff, Debo's been going first. Yeah, so, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. And you, can't I, and even, I think,
2: you can't even like look at last week and say, oh, he only had one air yard, he only had five touches, and still was the wide receiver two on the week because that's who Debo Samuel is. Like he, he, right. he can right, sustain that as he's shown us time for time. sure.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, and he is what he's a hundred dollars less than Iuk on, on DK. So
1: I one.
2: no one ever tries to spend up a tight end. Uh, I kind of think Kittle's the one who gets lost here.
1: I completely agree. I think, you know, Kelsey's also is a really a spot where it's like, Hey, I mean, I, this is how I feel. Like I want to go to Kelsey because yeah. I'm like, there's not really much scoring on the slate. Kelsey's in a good spot. This is, this is the time to, to do it. Um, that's just going to make it even harder to try to fit Kittle.
0: Yeah. Corrine, uh, on the other side, um, kind of messy with us not knowing what's going on in the backfield. Uh, Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker, both questionable for this game. I mean, it. if we knew it was just Charbonnet, he probably would have been chalky, but this is probably still not a good spot for um, running backs against the 49ers as big underdogs. Uh, before we get to the pass catchers, I mean, there's lots of ways this could play out, right? Like, either of these guys could be active or they both could be out. Like, if I, – I mean, what is the – is there any situation where we even care about the backfield?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess if Charbonnet was active and not looking chalky at all, then I would be interested because the 49ers are not very good against the run. They're just a massive pass funnel because mm-hmm. they put up a ton of points on you and you have to keep up. Um, but Charbonnet, you know, he had uh, 78% of the carries two weeks ago against them. He had 90% of the carries last week. It is a little weird that his he, he kind of earned a role as like a, a receiving down back. And now that he's the lead guy, like he loses routes to, to other guys, which I don't really get, but um, he's, you know, he's going to be out there a ton, which is, which is pretty helpful. So yeah, but as, as like a chalky piece, I'm I'm not super interested in him. The Seattle passing game
2: is that what the injury good. report is? Um Charbonnet's playing and Walker's out.
0: I haven't seen anything today. We don't know yet. Okay. They they're, both yeah, went. For-
2: their site hasn't updated for Thursday yet either. I I can't yeah. remember if they were limited yesterday or if they practiced.
0: I see them as up? I see them as both limited yesterday. Both limited. Okay, cool. Because they I'm were both DMP
2: on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um So I, that's one where it's it's going to be. Pretty hard to to make a, a judgment on what to do um until we get clarity on that backfield. Obviously, for the passing game, uh as you mentioned in the walkthrough crane, we've seen JSN coming on, creeping into that number two target share, which I said all offseason would happen by the end of the season, but no one listened to me. And uh the problem is I did that... <laughs> I, got... <laughs> uh, th- I got the bags The, to prove it. the uh <laughs> no, I, I believe you, me too. Um the problem is at least on DraftKings, where Jason is very cheap, he could end up being a little bit of a chalky play. So he is probably the obvious bring back for people that want to play this game, especially if they're playing CMC in their 49er stack. So how do we get unique on the side? I mean, you mentioned that, uh, you know, Geno's possibly due for some positive regression. So is it crazy to have some Gino builds to try to get unique in this game?
1: No, I, I don't think it's crazy uh, in the drafts that you know on the underdog drafts you can do very cheaply you can do kind of gino stuff with with cmc bringbacks there so i think that's one way to to try to do it i don't know if i end up going to gino on draftkings but i mean you could do gino and dk metcalf um at very low ownership i mean the combined ownership of, of those guys might be sub 5% mm-hmm. and then you can bring Uh CMC back, or you could you could use IUK. You could maybe do both. You could maybe do a double bring back. Um, so yeah, I think there's a few different ways to play this uh from the Seattle side. And yeah, I mean, Gino just had a great game against an awesome defense, and his success rate has been good this year. He has struggled a little bit with efficiency, but the Seahawks are not a super run heavy team. They've been kind of one of these teams that that passes and passing game scripts, the 49ers are a big pass funnel. As I mentioned, um, you know, they just, they just got beat pretty bad by the 49ers. Maybe they, maybe they're more aggressive this year or this, this rematch. I mean, so uh, I think it's, I think it's interesting.
2: I like Jake Browning. I'm just trying to weigh How much recency bias is put into that Seahawks performance? Because that wasn't the Seahawks offense all year long. And suddenly in an island game, again, they looked incredible. So I don't. But what? what,
1: No one's going there, right? I mean, the recency bias is not really there. So we almost get like free recency bias. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I think it'd only be DK Metcalf for me, though, since he's shown he has the ceiling. I don't even know what JSN ceiling is in this offense, honestly.
0: Yeah, again, JSN, we're not going to get any type of ownership discount on him on DK. On, on FanDuel, it's a little more open. The thing I like about Gino is that he is in that Russell Wilson, Jake Browning range um, on both sites, I believe. I know he's right between them on DK, on FanDuel. Yeah, he is. Um, on FanDuel, yeah, he's only... T- Sorry, I can't. Sixty-seven hundred, yeah. So just a uh, hundred dollars, two hundred dollars more than Browning off Fandle as well. So if people are going to play Russ and, and Browning and Gino's going to be sandwiched between them with no ownership, like that seems like a pretty damn good play to me.
1: I, I love that. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's the way to play that range. I think this is the game environment where they could just be forced to throw. And I think he's the the best of the three. Right? I mean he's the yeah. best quarterback of the of the three. I think, and and I easily. think
0: I. It's and it's a spot, not I think. I mean, if you're playing Gino, it's probably a good game environment. This is a spot where you could easily bring back 249 49ers, like right. right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's um a very good play. Uh yeah, I like that. Um CMC projecting as a top overall value on both sides with the running back availability, whether it be the Chiefs or Zach Moss. I think uh CMC is the player that we should be prioritizing. Uh in our cash lineups as i mentioned debo just slightly cheaper makes him a top three wide receiver value on both sides but i mean you, you could make uh, the justification for any of these 49ers pass catchers in all formats uh after the 49ers the teams we mentioned we get Quite a bit of a drop-off in point expectation, but there's still a couple teams with decent point expectations, at least for this slate, starting with the Ravens, seven and a half point favorites, 23.75 point total against the Rams in a game with a point total of only 40 points, giving the Rams a team total of 16.25. Biggest issue with this game is we might have some uh, pretty serious weather. Uh, I I think I saw 100% Chance of rain and wind expected around 20 miles per hour. Um, now, Friday weather reports obviously can <clears> change <throat> a ton by Sunday, uh but that concern is definitely built into this 40 point game total. But again, Ravens 23.75 is a, a respectable enough total that we should at least pay some attention to it. Crane, as you suggested, this matchup suggests that Baltimore could open it up a bit. And you've talked about how we're seeing Odo get uh, involved. Especially in that splash zone. So, in this matchup, if there isn't weather and given the salaries, we could see Zay Flowers and Isaiah likely draw some moderate ownership. And again, this is if the weather is good. Do we have interest in playing Lamar with those guys?
1: Yeah, I think if the weather isn't terrible, then this game is is pretty interesting. If this game had been in a dome, I think Lamar would have been the cover boy for the walkthrough this week. I I really like. The kind of the, the spot for him in a it's a fragile spot because the Ravens have not really been forced to pass all year. But I think they're a bit more like the Eagles in terms of the way they're operating their offense. They're pretty aggressive about passing on first and 10. So I don't really buy them as like this run heavy offense. I think they're a really good team that hasn't had to pass a lot this year. And I think they probably would pass in situations where they you know were in more of a shootout type of environment. Um the issue is that the Rams are already like a little bit shaky to put them in that kind of situation, uh, because the Ravens defense is so good. Uh, and then you ha- now have weather adding adding to the mix here. So it's definitely one where if if the weather if the fields like completely scared off the game and the weather doesn't look terrible, I'm interested. Um, if the weather lightens up and the field doesn't end up going there, I'm definitely interested. If the weather looks pretty rough, I'm kind of interested in Keaton Mitchell. Yeah. That's that's a a way to pivot, I think here. Um especially if we're going to get any kind of chalk on Chiefs running backs, mm-hmm. right? Like that's like you can go over to wow. Keaton Mitchell who I mean, before the bye, Keaton Mitchell had uh 46% of snaps, 27% of attempts. Gus Edwards had uh, 26% of snaps, 24% of attempts. So, you know, not, not a ton for Mitchell, but it's like they were already kind of experimenting with Mitchell. We saw his snaps increase steadily before the buy. And you have a rookie running back coming out of the bye week. And then in a game environment where maybe they actually have to kind of be run heavy. Cause the, you know, the rain or whatever. Um, I'm interested in that. He's, he's priced pretty low. I think uh, there are ways that I I kind of do want to try to pay up for some of the expensive mm-hmm. guys like Mahomes and stuff as I mentioned. Right. So I think he's he's definitely someone to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, my concern with even if the weather's good, my my concern with Lamar Stacks and and Baltimore Stacks is that Lamar isn't cheap, and there are so many late guys that I want to be playing obviously Allen and mahomes but some some you know like more expensive guys from from niners maybe um you know like a dk guy that if we play lamar early and all of our good plays are late it takes away a lot of our late swap flexibility because he's so and- expensive
2: And it's been pretty easy to predict like when the Rams offense will be potent through the air based on whether Stafford will be under pressure. He's been an entirely different quarterback this year under pressure, 34th to completion rate on the year, poor grades across pro football focus whenever he's under duress. And as Pat said, this Ravens defense coming off a bye, it it doesn't seem like a good spot whatsoever. So I I love the Keaton Mitchell call, especially since his salary is now somewhat masked by the chiefs running backs. I love that.
0: Yeah, I, I think we are probably in agreement that this is a pretty rough spot for the Rams and any of their past catchers, especially with uh Puka Nakua banged up. But Daigle, I mean, the the other I mean the other running back in this game, Kyron, is in a unique salary range. He's like kind of he's above that that six K tier, but well below CMC. Um, not a lot of people are gonna play him because of the matchup, but I mean he's his workload is as big as any running backs in the league. So uh, do you have any interest in Kyron in this spot?
2: I don't know if I get to Kyron, but I definitely understand the point of the play. Even last week, 24, mm. 25 backfield touches right back in our lives as a quite literally every down back with receiving upside since he gets all the routes too. So I definitely get it, but I think I'm much more interested in the Raven side of the ball because again, yeah. I, I am very worried about the Rams offense in this game
0: yeah I, I like the the Keith Mitchell call a lot I honestly didn't even think about that and again I, I think even though there are obviously more games in the early window i this is a slate where I really want to be giving myself a lot of late swap flexibility because it's not just one good play that we're trying to pivot off of late there are a lot of good spots late especially um, if the so,
2: if the cash game quarterback and purdy comes in in the late mm-hmm. window like we're right. gonna have a lot of swap equity here.
0: Right, right. I'm not going to be wanting to be building a lot of um heavy early stacks. Shout out to Chris Allen for the weather analysis and the slate. Uh, always good to have the homie Chris around. Um, uh, Lamar and likely are projecting as good values right now. Again, that is um, uh, very dependent on how the weather holds up but uh as chris mentioned we need to be seeing some some pretty severe weather for projections to change and i think the thing that always happens maybe with weather more than anything is that people double count right like every projection Mm -hmm. is accounting for this stuff um including the point totals. so uh always keep that uh in mind uh one other team or maybe the only other team with a a decent projection here is the lions and both sides projecting pretty decently in this game uh, Lions favored by three and a half at the bears lines with the 23 and a half point total in a game with a 43 and a half point game total bears sitting at 20, but they have a couple values on their side. Dagle, let's start with the lion side because we're not getting much ownership on the lions. Uh, a Monroe St. Brown is projecting his four for fours best wide receiver value on both sides. So in a game where we might see some ownership on more and fields, is this a spot where we're interested in Monroe state Brown? And can we, I guess the big concern for the lions is uh, their center is out. So do we like a golf skinny stacks or does losing uh rag now give us some concern about the passing offense?
2: I think the lions offense and running backs in particular have been pretty easily projectable out of their mm-hmm. buy, because since David Montgomery returned, you just look at the game script, project for that and say this is the guy that's going to be in there and it was a three game slate but on Thanksgiving Montgomery did get there for us and after a couple turnovers Gibbs had all the usage behind the scenes but Montgomery scored the touchdown. Last week we even talked about how Montgomery was one of my favorite plays on the slate because the Saints offense was not one that was ever going to compete against the Lions defense like the Lions defense is very bad and now I think it is a Jameer Gibbs game because Mm -hmm. this is a rough spot for Detroit over overall like you said frank Ragnow going to be their starting center going to be out this game the bears defense is no one wants to hear it but they're elite they are quite literally allowing a league low and running back yards per carry they are since jalen johnson returned in week six they're allowing the second fewest yards per attempt through the air as well so i am very worried about the lions offense in this game and i think the only way to get there would be through gibbs since the bears yeah. are still allowing nearly 10 more receiving yards per game to running backs than the next closest defense. I think that's the way I'd prefer to attack it.
0: Yeah. uh, I, I think that those could be a sloppy what I was thinking about Chicago too. It it could be a little sloppy and like, it's, I kind of want to usually be playing Monty as a pivot off of these off even regardless of matchup, I'm going to be playing Monty as a pivot off of his teammates. Um, If we're getting all of them at low ownership, like give me the most explosive player on the team. I think.
2: Yeah. No one's going to play it that way uh yeah. you know usually we've been saying monty because everyone has been incorrectly chasing the other one in sure. this case gibbs i mean what is he going to be four to six percent rostered. no it's no one's going to end the construction portion no one's going to think to go to gibbs in that mid-range
0: yeah. of course um crane this is i mean fields is kind of similar to uh to Lamar and that like he's obviously not cheap and if I'm playing him early he's taken away some of my uh flexibility uh later in the slate but I mean Pretty good spot for really good spot for him against Detroit and, and DJ Moore's pretty affordable. So, uh, we have a the, the difference with Fields compared to the Mars like we have a very obvious stacking partner with them. I think we could roll skinnies with them and, and still get some access to, to some of the later guys. Um, but what how are you reading this Chicago matchup against a Detroit team that's been pretty vulnerable against quarterbacks?
1: Yeah, I mean, this, this, um, this Detroit defense is definitely one we want to be attacking. I think the the concern for me, it's a little similar to the Lamar setup where I'm like, I like it, but I also think it's a little bit of a fragile situation because I'm not 100 percent sure I have like the, the coaching staff on my side here um, or the game environment on my side. I mean, against the Lions, the last time they played, the Bears had a 45 percent pass rate which is obviously extremely low. And that was 11% below expected. And Justin Fields was awesome in that game. He was 71st percentile in EPA per play, 85th percentile in success rate. So like they had what they were looking for from Fields and still they were super conservative. Um, Yeah. Maybe this is, maybe this is a team that's at this point believing in the defense and trying to uh, kind of, be a little bit more conservative and fields has been a roller coaster ride. Like we enjoy it because the highs are really high and they, they can win you tournaments, but NFL coaches are generally not that into that. And then you also have like Matt Eberflus is looking like potentially a lame duck, you know, very much on the hot seat kind of guy. In that type of situation, my instinct is that that these coaches are gonna tighten up. Like they no one plays loose when their job is on the line. So I'm just a little bit nervous about betting on the bears to kind of do the right thing here and, and be aggressive. I I think they probably are a little too conservative here.
0: Um, also have probably a three headed backfield, uh, with Deontay Foreman coming back. So, uh, only hurts projections across the board even more, very hard to figure out uh, who to play. So, I mean, DJ Moore probably going to be a cash game value. Uh, but after that, I, I think, um, I do like the, I, I kind of like the Jameer Gibbs side of things and maybe Amonra, uh, if you can fit him in, especially if DJ Moore gets um, out of hand with ownership. I,
1: I really don't like in this game too, that, that you're looking at like the DJ Moore fields and Amin Ra like all kind of looking very cash viable. I think that's mm-hmm. another reason to, to kind of just be skittish of it in tournaments. It's sure. It's one I would like to play, but if it was a fun contrarian, no one's thinking about this, then I would like it a lot better.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, After those games, I mean, it gets pretty ugly, pretty fast. I I think the only things that really stand out are uh, we have a very banged up Buccaneers defense. I I think there could be some interesting plays on the Falcons' side. Uh, Justin Jefferson returning for the Vikings against the Raiders. Um, And then, Uh, Trevor Lawrence might be out, so that could be a a big uh, chalk defense game uh, with with the Browns. So outside of the games that we've discussed, Daigle, is there anything else that stands out to you on the slate that you want to be attacking?
2: Falcons-Bucks has enough values and is being played indoors where it definitely interests me. Like, you know where the ball's going for the Bucks between Mike Evans and Rashad White. You also have on the other side of the ball, Drake london and Kyle Pitts catching some steam because they're just cheap. Drake London is really interesting now. He's he's had uh, at least 20% of the team's targets in six consecutive games with Desmond Ritter. I know last week it was only a catch for five yards, but the target share was still there. So love this spot against the buck secondary we attack. And then honestly, if Kyle Pitts and Desmond Ritter are going to be cheap options, and we're going indoors, if we need to okay. spend up, uh, why not tack along Desmond Ritter? <laughs> because it's fine
1: it's actually worked it's five thousand.
2: in the last matchup they played too he he averaged 10 yards per attempt against the bucks but remember that was the one where he turned the ball over three times inside the 10 yard line will that happen again maybe because he's Death dead but but indoors and it's two bad defenses playing one another so this could be like sloppy great for fantasy football
1: yeah i mean great
0: if you're if, if you're getting skinnies of ritter and um drake london for under 10k total and you're going to get a two percent ritter versus a 14 browning get kind of the same salary um that c- stack is going to let you get to a lot of ceiling plays like Plus you can I run th- it back
2: with mike evans
0: you mike, can run it back with mike evans and, and you could like like if you're struggling to figure out how to play cmc um you know like expensive cmc like they they take care of that um ownership crane are there any other spots that stand out to you not really yeah it's pretty it's pretty gross um the only the only other like players that are projecting decently are the are browns um if amari cooper is out we're gonna get high projections probably on elijah moore david joku and the browns dst um Probably not a spot I want to be leaning into Chalk at all. Uh, Before we get into our favorite... Picks of the week. Want to remind everybody about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Go to prizepicks.com slash DFSMVP and use the code DFSMVP for a first deposit match up to $100. We have another three player pick for you this week that will 5X your money if it hits. uh Looking at a game, Rashad White projecting for 60 and a half rushing yards. uh That game is one that has could have some some high projections, but also one that could play very slow. And this is kind of an inflated rush total for Rashad White after having a few good games. So we like Rashad White for less than 60 rushing yards, although he could get it done through the air. We talked about Justin Fields and that game. Bears probably lean a lot on Justin Fields. Not sure if he gets it done. Only through the ground or or on the air as well. So combine the pass and rush yards for 260.5, like him for more than 260.5 pass plus rush yards there. And then we talked about that Baltimore game with the weather uh, and Odell Beckham and Isaiah Likely getting involved quite a bit. Zay Flowers for 46 and a half receiving yards, like him for less than 46 and a half receiving yards there. Again, that three player pick 'em will five extra money. Don't forget to go to DFS dfsmvp Use code DFSMVP for first deposit match. Up to 100 dollars prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's get to our favorite plays of the week, starting with Pat Crane's quarterback. Uh
1: yeah, what did I say for quarterback? Um Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. So Patrick Mahomes. I I mean this is a slate where we do have the 49ers. Um, we we've, we've got Josh Allen, we've got Justin Fields, so there is some ceiling on it. But Lamar's in a really tough spot with the weather. We talked about the fragility for fields. Um, And, you know, Purdy, obviously, has just been crushing. He did struggle a little bit against the Seahawks. And we could see it flow a little bit, maybe more through McCaffrey here again. So Mahomes is just one of these guys where he's obviously got the ceiling still. But people aren't going to want to go there, I don't think. And so I've got now... A stacking partner in Rice plus Kelsey. So Mahomes double stacks this week definitely jump out to me um as like a spot where it's Mahomes double stacks. It's not like anything crazy, but it's gonna be pretty low-owned and get you different right off the bat.
0: Uh, Daigle, we got to this play late on the other end of the salary spectrum. Who's your favorite QB?
2: I can see myself having a three-quarterback pool trying to eliminate mm. all these guys this week. And so if I go cheap. I think Desmond Ritter, for all the reasons I mentioned, will be my favorite relative play. And if I spend up, I think I'm finding a way to get the Josh Allen, and I kind of want to keep my options limited to that.
0: Yeah, for cash games, uh, this is actually a really weird cash slate. I still kind of have to see how how things play out. I, my, my initial reaction was I don't want to be going to, like, a, a browning in cash. So I have Justin Fields as my cash guy right now. I think it might end up – End up being Purdy, but uh feels with the with the um rushing floor. I, I I might try to get there with the cheap running backs this week. Uh Daigle, your running back of the week.
2: I touted Austin Eckler, and you're not going to follow along, and that's okay, but I do think he's a legitimately good play on this slate at you know four percent, three percent. No one wants to play him.
0: Uh Karane, running back.
1: Uh, I think the guy I'm probably most likely to play right now is, is Keaton Mitchell just cause it's going to help me get off the moss stuff. Um, so he's, he's probably the guy I'm, I'm most likely to play just to, to be transparent about it. But the guy that I, I want to give a shout out to here is Bijan Robinson, who I'm very intrigued by and would definitely like to find a way to play. Um, and when I look at the Falcons, you know, I I think the Drake London call is really interesting. I think the Ritter call is pretty sharp. Like this is a spot where they could, um, you know, pay off very low salaries and attack through the air, which is what you do against the Buccaneers. But what everyone else does against the Buccaneers and what Arthur Smith does against the Buccaneers might be different. And I think the Buccaneers run defense is is fairly fraudulent. They they're not good in rushing success rate. They they're not good in run stop win rate. Uh, they've been pretty good in EPA allowed per rush, but Uh, they haven't allowed a lot of of rushing touchdowns, which helps boost them there. And Arthur Smith's going to run the ball like he just is. And we have Bijan Robinson not getting a huge share of things, but shares are less important when volume is super high, you know, as we see with the Dolphins. Like, no one cares (laughs) what the share is if everyone's getting, you know, close to 20 touches and and is efficient on them. And so, I think that's kind of your bet here with Bijan Robinson, who's not. Gonna go, uh, you know, completely unowned or anything. But if ownership moves around from these initial projections, I think it's less likely to come off Drake London, who's forty six hundred and kind of in the spot where everyone knows you attack the bucks through the air, than from Bishan Robinson. So he's a potential squeeze candidate, someone I'm going to be keeping a, a real close eye on.
0: Looking like no Vida Vea nor or Devin White um, for the book, mm. so that obviously helps that out quite a bit too. Um, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, is the cash game running back we want to be getting to. I mentioned Zach Moss is probably the best value on the slate, but sometimes uh, you know it's just about the most important single player to get to. Last year, last week we talked about Tyree Kill. I mean, this week CMC is just going to project as the best player on the slate. Get him in your cash games by any means necessary. Uh, Corrine, let's go back to you for your favorite wide receiver of the week.
1: Yeah, Brandon Ayuk, who is going to be a little bit of leverage off of CMC, I think gets lost a little bit as people probably prefer to play Debo. I think the whole thing of like, oh, he doesn't get used, uh, you know, downfield, doesn't have area arts and stuff. I don't think people mind that at all. I think people mm-hmm. kind of like it. You know, it's almost like a running back, like you can almost project the touches a little bit better um a couple years ago when he was basically operating as a running back he was massive chalk in ffpc's playoff contest because it's like this is comfy people so i think when debo's playing well people get real comfortable with it iuke it's like he's not going to get a ton of targets his targets are the the appeal of them is that they're going to be more high variance downfield splash zone types of targets but those can fall incomplete complete fairly easily so it's exactly. just it's never going to be as comfy but he's got a really high ceiling. And one of the nice things right now, you know, it being week 14 is we can actually look at like how the 49ers attacked the Seahawks. The last time they played, they weren't very effective against the Seahawks, but they were attacking downfield last week. We saw a lot more of the quick game stuff, which makes sense against the Eagles who have a pretty good pass rush, but the Seahawks, their pass rush is is kind of fine, but the, the 49ers were doing a lot of play action attacking downfield stuff. Against them in the first matchup, if that connects a bit more this week, then I think I could have a really nice game.
0: Yeah, that I love this week. Uh, Dagle, let's go back to that uh, Tampa Bay game.
2: I think, given that people want to play Jamar Chase, Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown popping as a value, that Mike Evans may get lost. And again, in a week with five weather games, perhaps. We can now bring him indoors against a secondary that's not only a pass funnel, but it's fourth in adjusted points allowed to opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers. So no A.J. Terrell as well for the Falcons side of the ball. Uh, I mean, just keep going back to Mike Evans. Just keep playing the dude. Do
1: you you have any interest in Baker if you're playing Evans? Because you could do like a uh, baker evans Bijan.
2: Sure. I thought about it. I like this game quite a bit. I like this game. Again, it, it lets you avoid all the weather situations as well, and pay up.
0: Um, yeah, I mean he's he's fifty three hundred again. It's it's basically the same. Th- it's the same theory um, as Ritter, kind of. Yeah. So, yeah, but here's the thing
1: about it: you don't have to play Desmond Ritter. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You got to um, play Baker Mayfield, but you you can't. You don't have to play Desmond Ritter. Still not Desmond Ritter. <laughs> yeah. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Drake London is going to make my cash game pool in the same game. Um, probably should have just included this game as one to talk about. Cause as you guys probably noticed by now, it is one that we like quite a bit. Um, so I, I think uh, sub five k Drake London will make my, um, will make my cash pool. Um, we got to get out of the way for the betting guys top to in the, the podcast studio. So just in, in one word with no explanation, listeners can follow us or get in the discord. If they want an explanation, Daigle, who's your favorite tight end?
2: Well, Taysom Hill is going to get ruled out because he missed all three practices. So
0: go to Corrine. All right, Corrine, favorite tight end,
1: Kelsey, and I'll say Kelsey. Kittle for Daigle. Kittle's Dable's favorite tight end. I do love Kittle. Kittle. Pay up, like Kittle. up at pay, <laughs> nice.
0: Pay up at tight end this week. Um. Thank you for everybody that listened Uh, again at um, a different hour. We should be back to regular schedule next week. Um, If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating review. It's the easiest way to give back to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, appreciate you watching live, please like the video, please subscribe to the channel and hit the notification button. So, you know, when we do go live outside of our normal hours and there are links to sign up for everything in the description below the for four dfs plan is only 24 dollars. you can get an extra 25 percent off with the promo code youtube link to the discord after you sign up for that and of course coraine at legendary upside coraine remind everybody what you got going on over there
1: yeah i've got uh in addition to the walkthrough which you can check out narrated version and written version of legendaryupside.com. we're launching best ball playoff content playoff best ball content next week um so sign up over at legendary upside for all that. Uh
0: playoff best ball, perfect thing to sign up for once you get knocked out of your redraft leagues. I know a lot of you are getting knocked out this week or next week. So uh sucks to suck, but uh you got that <laughs> back uh, plan. Uh if you want to follow us on uh the X slash Twitters, you can do so. Pat is at Pat Corrain, legendary upside at legendary upside daigle at not J daigle. 4-4 four four is at 4-4 four four Football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys on Sunday morning.